0: facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
1: Wonderful Wednesday to you. It's December the 13th, 2023. So glad that you're here talking to me and I'm talking to you. And you can have your voice be heard by calling this number right now. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. It's our listener line for The Kale Clark Show, sponsored by The Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. Got so much to talk about. You can also email the program. Kale, C-A-L-E at RelevantRadio.com and follow me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E Clark with an E. And somebody emailed me actually an incredible story. And maybe you've heard about this. It's kind of gone viral. It's sweeping the nation. Apparently about 200 Muslim men in Gaza experience seeing jesus in a dream and it has absolutely turned their lives upside down it's an amazing story and actually one of the people who is mentioning this is somebody who i would trust on this and this is uh michael lycona dr mike lycona i've met him before he teaches at houston christian university he's a professor of new testament studies he's written a ton of stuff especially on the resurrection of jesus in fact I'm holding his book in my hand right now, The Resurrection of Jesus, a new historiographical approach. And it is not only a new approach, it is a very, uh, it's a tome, folks. Uh, this is well over 600 pages, and uh, of course there's footnotes and endnotes to follow as well. This is a, a monster, and so this guy does his research. And The reason why I mention that is because he's not the kind of guy who would just take a report at face value without investigating it somewhat. So I, that's why I took him seriously when he posted this on his Facebook account. And this is what he said online, Mike Icona. God is working in the midst of war. And he, got, he mentions a report that's coming out of Palestine from underground Christian missionaries. And this is what Michael Icona says happened over the past two days we have and this is this is the uh, the missionaries the underground missionaries in Gaza who are saying this over the past two days we have ministered to hundreds of fathers who have lost most if not all of their children in the war as we moved these men to safety we fed them we washed their clothes and began to read the Bible to them sharing the way of peace through Jesus and then, a big miracle happened according to these missionaries they said quote last night jesus appeared to more than 200 of them in their dreams and they have come back to us to learn more from god's word and they're asking how to follow jesus end of quote so mike lakona uh, who who's not a catholic he he is a christian but he says that All Christians all around the world, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox Christians, should be celebrating what's going on here. And and he also gave his personal thoughts uh, on the conflict. He said, quote, I side with Israel in this war, not necessarily for theological reasons, but because Hamas and those backing it are pure evil. Yet, I know that not all Palestinians support Hamas. In fact, they will be punished severely, if even suspected, of not supporting Hamas. And, And of course, we know that to be the case. Lycona continued, let's pray that this war can be over soon and that Israel can eradicate Hamas so that Palestinians can be free of Hamas, end of quote. By the way, in case, in case you're wondering uh, how many Christians actually live in Gaza, there was, a, there was a report that came out in 2012 from the Institute for Middle East Understanding, and according to that report, Christians in Gaza accounted for less than 1% of the population. So at this point, according to Al Jazeera, a very well known news organization based in the Middle East, Al Jazeera is reporting that the populations of Christians today in Gaza could be less than 1,000. And uh, my thanks to Michael Faust and his report uh, on what happened, Mike Lycona's post. So, what do you think about this? And by the way, this, this is something that I have been hearing about for decades. And I once knew a, a guy who was a missionary in a closed Muslim country, and he wasn't allowed to tell me where he lived or what exactly he was doing, but he was really there to preach the gospel. And he said that this is a common occurrence in the Muslim world, in, in countries that do not allow Christian missionaries in. Jesus gets to people through dreams. Now, if you, if you think about this, this is the, a way that God has spoken to people for centuries. It, it's all over the place in the Old Covenant and in the New Testament scriptures as well. Think about the two Josephs. Joseph and his technical, their dream code, if you will, uh, in the book of Genesis, and also the Joseph in the New Covenant, the foster father of Jesus, God communicating uh, with him through dreams. And so if missionaries can't get through, that does not hinder the power of God or the gospel, which is un change and and I wanted to share with you also along these lines the testimony of another man and by the way you can you can do a search for this you will find tons of videos of ex-muslims who said that they first encountered Jesus through dreams and it's pretty amazing these, these stories they they seem to have a common thread or three or four common threads to them one of those which I want to share right now is from a man named Karim. I just want to share with you a little bit of his journey. Check out what Karim had to say about his life and what his aim was prior to encountering Jesus. Check this out.
2: In the Quran, we grow up with two things. First, you should give your life to God. Second, you should defeat Jews and Christians. I memorize the Quran. I memorize the Sunnah books i did all of the responsibilities a muslim should be doing every day my daily life was always built and centralized around islam i was dreaming of that day until i got this fantastic opportunity when the americans attacked iraq 2002 2003 this was a big fight and i said to myself this is the moment where I will give my life to God. I was dreaming with this phone call that would come to me and this man who will help me to let me go and fight the infidels. And this call has come. And in that day, the man told me, I'm sorry, Kareem. the operation has been canceled. Bye. this call this very sad call the worst news i have ever received in my life i got frustrated i was so much frustrated i felt that i lost everything i felt that i'm rejected by god himself god has rejected me in islam they believe that the 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 people who give their life to god the martyrdom they are called by name by god himself so for me i was not called After all the prayers, after all the fastings, after all the things I have done, I'm not called. This is a disaster. I started to disappear. I'm not out like before. Until one of the leaders called me and he said, I got to know what happened, Kareem, and I want to meet you. I went to meet him and then he told me, Kareem, why are you so sad? I said god didn't choose me to die and this man said a prophecy i believe he said maybe because he chose you to live
1: wow that is so powerful maybe god chose you to live and and kareem who who wanted to be a jihadic martyr uh his life was spared by that phone call the mission was cancelled and he started to evangelize. He started to get a new lease on life with his Muslim faith and he even became a bit of a televangelist, as as he explains. And he began listening to a lot of imams preach against Christianity, but something about it, something about what they said just didn't seem to ring true to him. He said, this this, this really can't be what Christians actually believe. So he he thought about investigating it for himself, but... He eventually embraced something else he embraced well i'll just let him speak for himself listen to what happened next check check this out from kareem's testimony
2: i was sitting on my computer and a dial-up advertising came up you know and the time of dial-up before wi-fi came up and it was written on it do you love allah i clicked it i thought it's a muslim website because they write allah you know allah is a muslim word but I found out that it's a Christian website. Speaks from Genesis till Jesus arrived to earth and resurrected, passing by the most central prophets in the Bible. Like Noah, Abraham. This was amazing. To the extent that it was the first time in my life, I looked and I said, maybe we are wrong? This is kind of impossible for a Salafi to say so. But maybe we are wrong. But who said that God exists? And I started to see that I don't have any evidence for anything. I don't have evidence for Islam. I don't have evidence enough evidence for God himself.
1: At this point in his life, Kareem then embraced atheism. He was kind of in a point of despair. And this seems to have led him down a dark path of immorality, which left him completely... Empty, but that wasn't the end of his story. And this is when God got a hold of his life in a new way, a very unexpected way. Listen to what Kareem says next. Until one day, I was fed up. I came back home,
2: many problems, many things that I cannot bear myself. And I looked at the sky and I said, You know what? You are too so big for me. I cannot find you. Please do something. I'm too small for you. Just do something and find me. It's not hard for you if you're there. On this night, I slept. And in my dreams, I saw that I'm running in a very long road. A lot of tree branches full of thorns chasing me, want to kill me. And at the end of the road, there were a man that I do not recognize. And I, I, I shouted, please help me do something. He just extended his hand, put his hand on my shoulder and brought me before him. And once he looked at me, I found out that this is Jesus Christ. And he looked deep in my eyes and he said, it's your time to follow me. I woke up on my dreams and I said to myself, okay, this is hallucinations, you know. This is hallucinations. I think that um, it's not true. Why did Jesus come to me, you know? But in the next night, I got the same dream, the same details. I looked up to the, to the sky, to the heavens, once I woke up and I said, you know what, this is, this, is, this is not a joke here. I challenge you, if you can come to me one more time, the same details. Otherwise, I will not think of you again. I thought that he would never come, but he came. And this time he looked deep in my eyes and he said, didn't I tell you, didn't I tell you, it's your time to follow me. I woke up while I cannot believe that this is true. I cannot believe that God is so loving. God is so amazing. God is God is so open. He didn't care that I'm challenging him. He was not feeling attacked. He was not feeling insulted. He was feeling that I love this guy and I want him. So he just came to me. I didn't woke up as a Christian, but I woke up as a man who was seeking the truth and knowing one thing, that this Jesus Christ is more than a prophet. This Jesus Christ is not what we think that he is.
1: Wow! It's your time to follow me, the Lord said to him. In those three dreams, it's unbelievable. That just gives me the chills. I can feel the hair standing up on the back of my neck as Kareem was relating that. And I love the fact how he said that God is not put off by our questions, by our our challenges to him. He's big enough to handle it, that's for sure. But that's just unbelievable. It's one thing to have a dream one night, but have the exact same dream two nights in a row, and then a third time say, hey, if it happens a third time, I'll really buy into it. And Jesus said to him, didn't I tell you? The other two times, it's your time to follow me. It's unbelievable. Well, Kareem went on to find someone who shepherded him and taught him more about the faith, and he was baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he also tells about another poignant thing that happened to him. He was eventually asked to give a talk at a synagogue of all places, and given his background and what he wanted to do, what he wanted, how he wanted his life to turn out originally, it's unbelievable what happened next. Listen to this. I accepted the invitation and I went for the first
2: time in one of the halls of the synagogue. I was invited to be a keynote speaker in one of the events to speak about um, my testimony and what happened with me. So I said to them, for the first time, I can tell you, God healed me and I can say that I love you. I love you. God is love and he poured his love in our hearts. He
1: poured his love in our hearts. And this is what we learned. Wow, That's an unbelievable testimony from Karim who went from jihadist to Jesus follower. My thanks to one for Israel uh, for the use of that clip. Unbelievable. It's your time to follow me, Jesus said three times in a dream uh, to Kareem. And maybe he's saying that to you right now as you're listening to The K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Maybe even just through that little segment, the Lord is speaking to you. It's your time to follow me. I, I wonder if you've ever heard about anything, a conversion like this happened. Do you know somebody who, who this has happened to uh, somewhere in the Muslim world? Because this is a, a story that is not rare. It is not rare. It's powerful, but this happens all the time. And I've just heard this too many times. I've read too many accounts of this to doubt it. It's one of the ways that God is on the move. You're listening to The Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Call in. I'd love to hear your take on this. 888-914-9149. 9149 And we will be right back.
0: The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
1: Hey, welcome back to the program. So good to have you with me. This producer, Jim, is playing his thrash metal songs, as he always likes to do. And you can call in right now, 888-914-9149. If you want to comment on what we were talking about before the break, 200 men from Gaza have apparently experienced Jesus all in the same night in a dream. And this is how Jesus reaches people very often in the Muslim world, in closed countries where missionaries cannot get in to share the gospel. There's so many accounts, hundreds if not thousands of accounts that are proliferating. And you can find YouTube videos, you can find testimonies from people, and we heard from Kareem, who was a former jihadist, uh, who is now a follower of Jesus. God spoke to him. Jesus appeared to him in a, in a dream three nights in a row, and Really got a hold of his life. It's unbelievable. Just changed him. Uh, He is now able to to love in the image of Christ. And So if you want to comment on that, you can call in 888-914-9149. Another story, and by the way, you can send me your stories if you want me to talk about them on the show. I'd love to do that. You can become a shadow producer of the show by emailing me a story, a link, an idea. The address is kale at relevantradio.com, C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com, and of course you can find me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E, and call in right now 888 9149 my wife Trish actually sent me a, a link about a story that you might have heard about it, it's, this is another viral story that's been in the news about the Vatican easing its rules maybe, relaxing its rules on what you can do with the cremated remains, the ashes of a loved one Maybe, maybe. What What is really the truth here? And um, yeah, so she sent me a link from Yahoo News. And no disrespect to Yahoo News, but I, I wanted to make sure I did some extra extra digging around on this before I shared it with you. I think a pretty good source uh, is Luke Coppin, who writes for The Pillar, PillarCatholic.com. He has really covered the bases and, and gave a rundown of this news, which is very surprising to a lot of people, about the Vatican's doctrinal office which used to be called, as producer Jim and I were talking about during the break, the Office of the Inquisition. It's not called that anymore. For many years, it was called the CDF, um, the Doctrinal Formation Office. And, of course, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger was for many, many years in charge of this. And uh, now it's called the DDF, which means the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. And it's headed now by Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez, who is its prefect. So on December the 12th, just yesterday on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Cardinal Fernandez uh, responded to two questions, if you will. I guess you could say there were dubia from Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, uh, who is the president of the Italian Bishops' Conference. And so he was asking him about this whole question of cremation, what can you do with the ashes? And so everybody is, is really trying to, to parse and splice Fernandez's replies and trying to figure out what exactly is going on here. Well, let, let's get some background here. So, Luke Coppin actually lays out what happened back in 1963, where the Holy Office, as it was known, uh, now, now of course, the DDF, it issued something called the Instruction PM et Constantin, Constantin uh, which ruled that cremation was, quote-unquote, not an intrinsically evil act opposed, per se, to the Christian religion. And there's always a big controversy about that. That uh, for for many many years there's thought that no Catholics should not be allowed to cremate uh, their their loved ones after after their death and burial. Full body burial is the only way to go. It's most consistent with the doctrine of the resurrection of the body. And there are many people who still feel that way passionately, even though the the church does allow for cremation now. Uh, theologian Scott Hahn, uh, very famously in a recent book, argued against the the practice of cremation, even though the church allows it. He, he says, you know, it's it's legal, but I, I don't necessarily agree with the practice. Basically for, for the same reason. But in 1963, that kind of marked the end to the church's total opposition to uh, cremation. However, uh, at the time, this instruction from uh, the office did reaffirm the practice of reverently bearing the intact bodies of the faithful departed as sort of the The ideal situation, again, linked to the doctrine of the resurrection. In the 1983 Code of Canon Law, of course, 20 years after this, uh, the Code of Canon Law said this, quote, The Church earnestly recommends the pious custom of burying the dead be observed. It does not, however, forbid cremation unless it has been chosen for reasons which are contrary to Christian teaching. And that's from Canon 1176, section 3, if you wanted to look it up. And so cremation, with with that possibility now being a live possibility, no pun intended, live possibility, okay, never mind, people started to to practice this a lot more frequently in the church. And so the church uh, has, from time to time, uh, allowed certain adaptations to the rules. In 1997, there was an indult that was granted by the Vatican's liturgy dicastery allowing bishops in the United States to permit cremated remains to be present at a funeral mass so i'm assuming that up until that time you would have to have uh, maybe a casket with with the, with the actual body of the deceased there but now you could actually do the uh, the cremation prior to the funeral mass so that was that was a that was a new thing and in 2016 uh, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, the CDF, and now it's called, I, all this alphabet soup, I know, it's now called the DDF. It issued an instruction called, uh, well, I'm not even going to try to say this in Latin, my Latin's terrible, but, but it basically was more regulations on, on the use of uh, cremated ashes, what can be done with them, and what can't be done with them. And so here, here's a quote from this document in order that every appearance of pantheism, naturalism, or nihilism be avoided. Let me just stop there for one second. Just Pantheism is this idea that everything is God, and there's, there's a lot of uh, religious systems out there that, that believe in this, that you know the, the stone is God, the tree is God, you're God, I'm God. No, pantheos, that everything is God. No, that's not the case. Naturalism. Of course, some people believe in naturalism. This, this world is all there is. Um, nihilism. This uh, There's nothing after this life. I mean, this is just a terrible situation. Death is the end. You can't buy into this and, and be a Catholic because we do believe, we do know about the reality of eternal life, the resurrection of the dead, heaven, hell, the four last, uh, last things. Really, as I said uh, on a recent episode of The Faith, explain the five last things. There's a fifth last thing, which is the new creation, the new heaven, in the new earth. But the church said in this document, uh, through the CDF, it is not permitted to scatter the ashes of the faithful departed in the air, on land, at sea. Let's say, you know, your uncle Joe is in the Navy. You can't scatter the ashes at sea. Like in Top Gun, you know, or Mavic throws gooses, dog tags overboard. You can't do that. Uh, not on the golf course. Um, although grandpa, did love to play golf, of course. He was a member of the course for several years. Can't do it. Nor were you allowed to preserve the ashes in mementos, such as pieces of jewelry or, or other objects. You couldn't have a sort of a, a glass container of, of goose's ashes uh, on the dog tags and kind of keep them. So that, that was a, another sort of update in 2016 from the doctrinal office of the church. So On October the 30th of this year, that's when Cardinal Zuppi from the Italian bishops wrote to Cardinal Hernandez asking about, hey, I've got two questions about what to do with the ashes after cremation. And I wonder whether this has ever been an issue for you guys, by the way, in terms of dealing with the remains of your loved ones, or do you wish the church had a different rule or triple eight? I don't know how, how much people are actually thinking about this, but it seems to be spreading a lot online. I'd love to get your thoughts 888-914-9149. 888 9149 So Cardinal Zuppi uh, wrote to the DDF, and he said uh, in his home archdiocese of Bologna, Bologna um, and this is not a bunch of Bologna, by the way. That's a terrible pun. But he, 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 he said, there's a lot of people in my archdiocese who want to do exactly what the church says not to do, which is scatter the ashes in some place that was special to the deceased, whether it's a golf course or whatever, the soccer pitch, a natural setting. So, well, how can I respond to these people? And also, people seem to be discouraged from burying their relatives because there's a lower cost. Now, I never thought about this before. Uh, one of the reasons why people choose cremation is that it's cheaper than than buying a casket in many cases and doing a traditional burial, but also the church said you you have to have a dignified sacred resting place for the cremated ashes of your loved ones as well just because you're doing cremation doesn't mean that you can just do whatever but some people were kind of taking matters into their own hands taking the remains of their loved ones into their own hands and saying I can't even afford to bury these these ashes in a sacred place so I'm going to scatter them to the four winds so what advice should the church give all right so Here are the the actual two questions that, that he asked. He said, taking into account the canonical prohibition against scattering the ashes of the deceased, is it possible to prepare a defined and permanent sacred place for the commingled accumulation and preservation of the ashes of the baptized, indicating the basic details of each person so as to not lose the memory of their names, similar to what occurs in ossuaries? where the mineralized remains of the deceased are cumulatively deposited and preserved. Okay, so that was question number one. Now, if you've never heard of an ossuary before, it's literally a bone box. And these are very, very common in Israel. I've seen this in the Holy Land. There are many first century ossuaries or bone boxes. And the practice of the Jews around the time of Jesus was simply to gather the remains of the loved one. You bury your loved one. And a year after, on the death anniversary, you gather the bones Of this person, of course, the flesh is decomposed. You go back into the tomb, gather the bones. You put them in what's called a bone box or an ossuary, usually a limestone box. And then you put them in the family tomb or crypt. And everybody's kind of got their own niche or shelf in the crypt. Uncles, aunts, whoever, family members, everybody's got their own spot. Now, why was this done? It's for a theological reason, because they, they, they believed in the resurrection of the dead, that God is going to put our bodies back together, as it were, and the church has some guidance on exactly how this is going to happen, of course. Um, does God need your help to do this? Not really. But having said that, there's, there's a piety behind this as well. And this sheds light on a lot of things in the Gospels, too, by the way. When, when Jesus uh, is met by a would-be follower in the Gospel of Luke, and, and Jesus says, follow me, and the guy says, first, let me go bury my father. Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And everyone thinks he's being super cruel. It's like, oh, this, father, this guy's father is dying. Can he not be at his bedside? Can he not comfort him in his last moments? The guy's father is already dead. What's in all likelihood going on here is that the man's father has died, has been properly buried, but it's coming up on the one-year anniversary of the death. And this is when the relatives will go into the tombs, collect the bones, and put them in the ossuary or the bone box. And Jesus says that that's... That's of relative importance here because what I'm doing, what's happening in the world right now through my life and ministry is of the utmost importance. You have to follow me. It's a little bit like uh, what Kareem heard about in that video we uh, we played earlier. It's your time to follow me. And so did did the guy actually do it or not? We don't know. It doesn't say. It just says, follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. Now, of course, if the guy's father had been still living, was on his death, but I'm sure Jesus would have said yes. Go comfort him, pray for him. Jesus wasn't being cruel, but the man's already died and gone. That, that's, that's what's going on here. So that was one of the questions that, um, that Archbishop Zuppi asked the Vatican. The second question was, can a family be allowed to keep a portion of their family member's ashes in a place that is significant for the history of the deceased? So that that's a tricky question because what what would be a significant place? Somebody's house, um, their living room. Uh, what would, that, that that seems to be leave the door open to a lot of different things. But at any rate, Cardinal Fernandez got back to uh, this bishop and Pope Francis approved the note. By the way, on December the ninth, and he he actually sort of answered the questions. But before that, he wrote a four hundred word little essay on bodily resurrection, reaffirming the church's teaching on this. And he basically said yes to both questions. It is possible to do this. Um, He said that, quote, a defined and permanent sacred place can be set aside for the commingled accumulation, that means the ashes of, of the deceased, and the preservation of the ashes of deceased baptized persons, indicating the identity of each person so as not to lose the memory of their names. So he said it's possible. Okay, my question is what is a defined and permanent sacred place? I don't know if that was ever really spelled out. The second question, uh, Cardinal Fernandez said that the church, the the ecclesiastical authority in compliance with current civil norms may evaluate and request by a family to preserve a minimal part of the ashes of their relative in a place of significance for the history of the deceased person provided that every type of pantheistic, naturalistic, or nihilistic misunderstanding is ruled out. They're not doing it for that reason. So I, I don't know how you would verify this. I guess you have to sort of quiz them on this. And he said, also provided the ashes are the deceased are kept in a sacred place, end of quote. So again, my question is, what what constitutes a sacred place? Uh, that might be open to interpretation. And So this is, a, this is kind of a big development here, I think. And um, I... I I, I i don't know I, I don't know what to think about this uh, obviously um hey we got to um think with holy mother church on this but um if this were possible uh, when your loved ones passed away would you have wanted to do this triple eight nine one four nine one four nine and just to, by the way in his little reflection on, on the resurrection i do want to give a quote from uh, colonel Fernandez uh, he did say that quote our faith tells us that when we, that, that sorry that will that we will be raised with the same bodily identity which is material like every creature on earth even though that matter will be transfigured freed from the limitations of this world but that does not imply the recuperation of the identical particles of matter that once formed the human being's body so a lot of people ask the question you know how can my loved ones be resurrected from the dead on the last day if they were lost at sea if they were drowned Um, how is this going to happen if we don't know where all the original parts are is john the baptist going to be carrying his head on a platter at the resurrection no that's that's god god could create the entire universe out of nothing it's not a problem for him to give you a new resurrection body it's still you but he doesn't have to use the exact same materials, fibers, hairs, all that sort of stuff. So that's an important fact to know. Let God take care of that. You don't have to figure out exactly how that's going to work. But um, having said that, um, it's important to, as he says, treat the remains of every unique human life with an attitude of sacred respect and conserve them in a sacred place suitable for prayer. So, again, th- this is very fresh news. It just came out yesterday, and I would uh, love to hear what you guys think about this, your comments, triple eight nine Let's go to Richard in Milwaukee. Hi, Richard.
3: Okay. Love the program. Great great topic. Um, I, I used to work for the archdiocese in the cemeteries. Okay. And a number of archdiocese will actually take cremated remains and bury them in a special location at no charge and record the person's name in the records they're not mm-hmm. in our case we did not combine the ashes they're each urns places individually say in a large vault um because commingling has never been accepted um, mm-hmm. the topic regarding a sacred place you know many times people may say well i'm going to take them home and keep them on the mantle, Well, when they right. pass away, what's going to happen to them? that's right. it remains. That's a good but point. Cost factor. The church. Um, the church will bury them. Many archdioceses will bury them at no charge. Um, to know. And, yes, and. Um, but the idea, you know, having a little urn for each of the five kids to take home and put them in a place—that's not really yeah. respectful. Uh,
1: at least in my opinion, yeah. yeah uh, Richard, thanks for your call. I appreciate that. It's good. It's good to know that at least in some uh, diocesan situations, that the church may, in fact, provide for a, a proper burial of cremated remains if the family cannot afford um, to have them placed in a mausoleum or something like that. So that, that's good to know. And of course, you'd have to check with with your local bishop uh, on that, with your local ordinary. And so that's good to know, because I, I wasn't aware of that. But it's, I'm glad to hear that that's a possibility in some places. And thank you so much for your kind words about the program, for calling in. Richard in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right, let's go to Kathleen in Lehigh Acres, Florida. Hi, Kathleen.
0: Hi. I'm calling in today because my husband passed away a few years ago. Um, at the time, I am a Catholic now. Uh, thank you to my daughter, But uh, at the time, we were Episcopalians. Okay. Our church has a columbarium in the church. So he had wanted to be cremated, and he is in the church. Now, Mm -hmm. of course, there's a spot for me when I pass away, but what does the church think about that now that I am a Catholic?
1: Ooh, okay. So essentially, your, your your husband's remains are buried in this Episcopalian church property, and there's right, a, there's a, a spot set aside for you. Yeah. So now that you are a Catholic, um, my now don't quote me on this, but I, I would assume that um, that would not be a possibility for you. I but don't don't quote me on this. I'm going to have to do actually. You know what? I'm going to actually say I don't know for sure the answer on that one. But yeah. I would, but usually with Catholic uh, burial grounds, uh, like Catholic cemeteries, are sacred spaces that have been consecrated uh, by the bishop for that purpose. So let's do a little bit of homework on that, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually try to find out the answer for you, which I, I don't want to give you a flip answer off the top of my head. So that is a really interesting question. I'm glad that you called in. we're we're gonna try to find the answer for you on that one. So thanks for calling. I appreciate that. We have to take a quick break right now on the Kale Clark Show, but we will be right back if you want to call in 888 914 9149 Be right back.
0: This is the Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life.
1: Hey, welcome back to the program Triple 9149 That's the number to call. If you want to send me a story, become a shadow producer for the show. You can certainly do that. You can email me. The address is klcale at relevantradio.com. Okay, we talked about a lot of stuff so far on the program. We talked about uh, Muslims in closed countries. Even in Gaza, just a couple of days ago, 200 men on the same night apparently had visions, dreams of Jesus. And this is one way that the Lord reaches people in some of these lands. And there's so many stories we shared the testimony of a man named Karim. I uh, was a former jihadist. Wanted to end his life, give his life for the cause. God had other plans. Jesus spoke to him 3 times in dreams saying exactly the same thing. The time for you to follow me is now. And that's exactly what he did. We also talked about the Vatican potentially relaxing rules on cremation and what can be done with the cremated remains of loved ones. A lot of you guys have questions about this and quite frankly said why this this is a new territory for me. We just are finding out about this late breaking news from yesterday triple eight, nine, Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Rosa in Brooklyn. Hi Kale.
0: thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I have a huge I have a huge question. And I am really concerned about what Rome is doing with these new uh, passing of laws. Card- Cardinal Hernandez was made in charge of the faith, but he's liberalizing too many things. Right now, he's, he's liberalizing um, that you can be cremated or what you can do with the ashes. But Catholics already are cremating people, and they're already using them as jewelry, making jewelry, but also in our country, we have a thought that says, why not use your ashes as a fertilizer? You know, you can liquefy it, Mm -hmm. powder it, whatever, scatter it, you know, make trees grow, which of course, even if you, you know, even if you become ashes, DNA is still in there, okay? But this is something that goes totally against our faith, where for thousands of years, We've been so, uh, we've been so uh, in tune with God in the sense that you bury the body. Mm-hmm. Jesus was buried. He didn't, you know, uh, do anything else. He didn't say, you know, you can be cremated. He, he rose from the dead, as we hope one day, also to rise from the dead and be with yeah. him. Yeah, Why? Absolutely. Why destroy? Why liberalize the church?
1: Well, the, okay. First of all, th- th- thanks for calling in. I, I appreciate that, Maria, and and the questions that that you raise. Um, so, the church has allowed for cremation, as we talked about before, for for many many decades officially. And I think one of the things that we we have to do is we we can't put ourselves in our in a position where we're we're telling the church what to do. We're telling Holy Mother Church what to do. And so, if the competent uh, organs within the church are are making these pronouncements and they have the competency to do so, then it's, it's, it's legit. I mean, it's, it's, it's legal. Now you might not agree with that. And like I said, many, many people don't, many people don't in a recent book. uh, Scott Hahn argued that he thinks that traditional burial is the way to go for many, many reasons, theological, and perhaps otherwise. Certainly the 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 case that you mentioned that, that is becoming more popular in the culture, in the secular culture, this idea of eco-burials, that is an absolute no-no for Catholics. We are not allowed to do this. And, and so the reasons why, if someone is wanting cremation, the reasons why cannot be non-Catholic reasons. They can't be, they have to be in coherence with the Catholic faith. That's one of the things that uh, the DDF did, did mention. And the Church has always mentioned since it started to officially Uh, allow for this practice so uh, the church allows for it and that's that's we may not agree with that personally but um, we can't say that it's illicit because it is allowed so uh, now in your personal life you might not want to do that and I might not want to do that I might want to go for a traditional burial but the church does does allow for that so that's that's just a fact so but this in terms of what to do with the ashes my, my concern would be how do you how do you police the, the the reality that hey these people could take a portion of the ashes of their loved ones and they, yeah they are told to put them in a sacred space in a sacred place where the, where they can be reverently prayed for uh these people their eternal souls but but how do you police that how do you know and does that open pandora's box and I think that's what a lot of people are concerned about quite frankly um we'll have to see what happens as As more news uh, drips out of Rome on this, let's go now to, uh, let's see, let's go to uh, Patrick on line four in Granite Bay, California, in the Sacramento area. Hello, Patrick. Hey, how are you, sir? Good, good. First time I've ever listened to your show. Oh, well, hey, glad to have you aboard. What are are your thoughts? Well, you know,
4: this is a tough one, my friend. I was raised, uh, you know, basically Protestant and Greek Orthodox. And orthodoxy has always been a no, 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 no. And I, you know, I have so many friends that are Catholic. And again, I, mm-hmm. I, I feel for both sides because personally, it's, it's a personal choice. I believe that God's going to put us together again. I, I just have always felt that. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it really it causes a great division in churches, at least for me. I believe that now that you know, the Catholic Church has opened that up, I think it's a great thing. Because what do you do when you can't afford the $10,000 for a plot, the 10000 for a casket? I mean, it, it's up there. It can um, be expensive. Yeah. yeah, and I personally have gone through this So, with both of my parents. My father was cremated, military funeral. Mm-hmm. My mother, Orthodox, and she really fought back and forth, <laughs> devoted Greek Orthodox. And I never put any religion in front of the other. I believe it's... At the end of the day, I just have always felt it's really a personal decision. Sometimes it's financial. Um, so that's, again, that that's my, my, my thought It's very hard for me to, to well, it's it's difficult to sit and say is it a sin. Well, we I, I believe God's always going to put us back together again. And when I went to Ireland, I have family in Ireland. You, you bury until it's uh, so another another loved one passes away, and then you have to dig up the bones. And they usually the, the skull goes into the church, and the bones go with the family. It's an island, you know. and in some circumstances, usually you, you don't have much of a choice.
1: Well, Patrick, first of all, thank, thanks for calling in. I, I'm glad to have you aboard. Thanks for listening and tuning into the show out in California in the Sacramento area. And, and it's, it's not a sin to, to cremate their, your loved ones after they pass away. It's not a sin. The, the church does allow for that. So uh, nobody can say this is sinful. But, uh, and you know, my own parents, they, they, they want this as well. They want this as well. And I had a, an experience just a couple months ago my dad said, "I got something to show you." And he, we took a ride to the local cemetery, and he had already purchased because he's a big planner. He's planning ahead, and and he showed me the 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 the, the in the uh, in the Catholic cemetery, their local Catholic cemetery, the, the place for his future resting place and and that of my mom. And he wants to be cremated, and that, that was that was kind of a surreal experience. And we have to embrace our loved ones and hold them close while while they're still with us, of course. But so. But I I do totally respect and understand the theological reasons for wanting a traditional burial. There's no question about that. And, and, And so whatever one chooses, we always have to keep in mind the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. God will give us physical resurrected bodies at the last day, at the end of time. That's part of our faith, and we can't deny that. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is, in fact, the very linchpin of our faith. If that didn't happen, as Saint Paul said, our preaching is the useless, and so is your faith. But it did happen, and we proclaim this truth, this reality, every day on Relevant Radio. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I really, really appreciate you guys listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Jim Shaper produced with an assist from Miranda Cineseros. Patrick Alog took your phone calls. God bless you guys. See you soon. Take it away, Michaela.
4: Thank you for listening to my daddy.